Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. I'm turning to the book of Genesis. I figured I'll just start at the beginning. Chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat." And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Amen. Now that's the way it was in the beginning. And that's the God's intent for mankind in the beginning. Amen. And I would like to preach on the subject, taking our rightful place on this earth. Taking our rightful place on this earth. Will you clap your hands as you're seated right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Taking our rightful place on this earth. God gave Adam and Eve, which we know, in other words, eventually comes the human race, dominion over the entire earth. He told them to subdue it. God told them that He gave them everything on the earth, all the grass, all the plants, all the trees, all the animals, birds, creeping things, everything that lives in the rivers, lakes, and oceans, basically anything and everything that has life. He said, I'm giving you charge of it, giving you dominion. Amen. The word dominion means to rule over, to reign, to prevail against, authority, jurisdiction, superiority, and control. And the word subdue means to conquer, to bring into subjection, to overcome, to triumph over, to overwhelm, overpower, amen, and overthrow. So he gave them the authority and jurisdiction to conquer and triumph over everything on this earth. So he basically told Adam and Eve, I have put you in charge of this place. Amen. Wow. They probably were, you know, I don't know if they really received the gravity and understood the, the, you know, the significance of it right all, all together because they were just two. Amen. It wasn't a whole human race yet. Praise God. But it was, you know, I'm sure it started sinking in. What a privilege God gave them. What a great responsibility to be in charge of the whole earth. And, amen. And take good care of it. And don't abuse it and misuse it. Amen. And God had only one condition to all this, and that was that Adam and Eve keep his commandment. 
Now notice I said singular, commandment. Wasn't even ten yet, it was just one. Amen. Just one. Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden and, 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 uh, to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were not alone on the earth at the time. And I'm not talking about all the creatures and everything that was created before them. I'm talking about they weren't alone. Amen. There was intelligent life. I'm not talking about UFOs either. I'm talking about there was intelligent life on the earth. Amen. When they were created. And that was Satan and his fallen angels had been there for quite some time before Adam and Eve were created. See, God had cast them out of heaven to the earth after their attempted rebellion miserably failed. Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. Revelation 12, 9 said, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, the important thing to remember here is that nowhere you can see in the Bible where God gave the devil and his fallen angels dominion over the earth to subdue it. He gave it to Adam and Eve. I'm talking about taking our rightful place on the earth. It's been stolen, amen. It's been hoodwinked out of, out of out. it's been lied, it's been cheated, amen. We, people have been deceived, amen, by this, uh, this person, not person, this, this being, this devil and his angels, uh, all these thousands of years, amen. But I'm here to tell you, I'm talking about taking our rightful place and knowing our rights and our privileges and our responsibilities, amen, that God has given us as a people of God. So the devil wasn't given dominion. So what did he do? He went to the ones who had the dominion so that he could deceive them into giving some of it up to him. Now, I've been asked this question many times over the years with regards to this subject. And that is, when God created Adam and Eve, why did he put them in the place where the devil and the fallen angels were? It was like throwing the sheep right to the wolves or something. Amen. Good question. And one of my answers is this, amen, one of the greatest things God gave to Adam and Eve and us, of course, eventually, was a free will with the power of choice, amen, and choice requires options, and in order to be able to choose, if I only had paper bags, then they're not going to say paper or plastic, if I only got you know, 87 grade octane gasoline, then they're not going to say, would you like 89 or 91 or diesel? Amen. Choice requires options. And in order to be able to choose, we got to have more than one thing to choose from. And when God cast the devil and his fallen angels of the earth, the earth became void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it stayed that way until God was ready to begin the preparation to make the earth inhabitable for this new man and woman he was going to make. 
And on the very first day of this process, God did something very important that he had to do before anything else. And Genesis 1 says in chapter, uh, in verse number 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now let me tell you something, amen, that light and darkness wasn't just any old light and darkness. The first day of creation had to do with a separation and a division and a clear delineation of spiritual light and darkness. We know this is true, because when was the sun and the moon created? Not until day four of creation. And the sun and the moon and the stars, they are the ones that govern the light, the, the natural light by day and the, and the light by night. Amen. So this first darkness and light was spiritual. Amen. I'm going to put a man and a woman on here and I'm going to tell them about commandments and I'm going to tell them, amen, what, what I'm all about. And then they're going to see eventually what this other thing's all about and they're going to have to choose because true love, amen, is not forced love. True love is I choose to love you, amen, because you are the better of the choices. Amen. Amen. Up until the time of their temptation, Adam and Eve only knew about God, only knew about His light, His love, His goodness, and His will. It was only one way for them, and they were happy. It was great, and I'm sure the devil, amen, stood afar off uh, trying to figure these new people out, these new creatures out. Uh, He observed them for quite some time before he came in to actually do the temptation. He watched them very close to see what made them tick. And then on that fateful day, the devil made his move, and we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, lie number one. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, lie number two. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes, the both of them were open. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Amen. So verse 6 summarizes the three areas that the devil, in his observation, focused on. And and he came in to uh, focus his temptation on. And and, and verse 6 said, Amen. She saw that the forbidden fruit on this tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was desirable to make one wise. You mean we could become gods? We could be like God? Amen. These three things are the source of all natural and moral evil in this world. Amen. And John tells us that in 1 John 2, verse 15, 
Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that sure looks good to eat, and the lust of the eyes, and it looks really tasty. Amen. And the pride of life. Oh, I can be wise and be like God. Amen. These are not of the Father, but they're of the world. And in giving in to this temptation of the devil, they fell. And they unwittingly allowed the devil to get a foothold on the earth that he didn't have before. Amen. And he didn't, uh, and they, they surrendered some of his, their God-given dominion over to him. They opened Pandora's box and it was not going to get shut. Then the devil became the God, and it's a little G because there can only be one capital G God, we know that. But he became the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4 said, But if our gospel be hid, it's him to, hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Amen. So this God, this God of the world, of this world, amen, who was allowed dominion that, that he never was given in the initial situation, but because through his subtlety and trickery, he, he, he you know, took some of it. Amen. And, uh, and they had to give it to him, but he cheated them out of it. Amen. And then he began to set up his kingdom on this earth. Amen. And the devil's main goal is to lie, to deceive, and to blind, eye, to blind the eyes of people so they will not see Jesus and they will not see his glorious plan of salvation, his gospel message. Amen. So they can be saved and see the light. Amen. There's nothing like when you come to the realization of who Jesus is. I saw the light. Praise God. Amen. I saw the light. I see the light. Praise God. So for the next 4,000 years or so, the devil proceeded to set up a kingdom on this earth and try to cause mankind as much trouble as possible. Amen. But hidden in the judgment of the serpent. Because remember, after they ate of the fruit, they made themselves, they, they saw that they were naked. They made themselves fig leaf, you know, bikinis or whatever, and... Uh, you know, one, what do you call it? Speedos or I don't know, whatever. And, and all that stuff. And God said, you know, I don't even like the way you clothe yourself. And he, he put skins on them, killed some animals and put skins. And that's just showing you, you know, hey, there's going to be bloodshed to fix this down the road somewhere. So, someone's going to have to have a sacrifice. Someone's going to have to die. This thing is going to have to, you know, and we know this all sets the stage for Jesus. But they hid themselves and then God came to talk with them as he always did. Hey, where are you, Adam? Amen. And he knew where he was, but he wanted to ask Adam where he was. Hey, do you know what you just did? Do you know what you guys just did? Amen. You didn't, you didn't just mess up, but you let, you let the devil you know, in uh, where he wasn't supposed to be. Amen. And then there was judgments pronounced on the man, the woman, and the serpent. And during the judgment of the serpent... There's this one verse tucked in there, amen, that's a, it's a hidden gem and a jewel, and it's the first prophetic verse in the Bible, amen, about the God becoming a man and dying for our sins. And it's all hidden in there in symbolism. It's Genesis 
I will put enmity between thee and the woman, he's talking to the serpent, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Amen. What is it talking about? The seed are the descendants. Amen. So anyway, uh, we know that the devil can't ha have his, his own kids and all that kind of stuff. So the descendants of the devil are the children of evil, the children of this world. Amen. And so we know it was those people that crucified Jesus. And that's when the heel of the descendant of the woman was bruised at Calvary because Jesus was beat up and Jesus was crucified. Amen. But it says that he will bruise the serpent's head at that Calvary. Praise God. And so I'm telling you, there's going to be, there was going to be coming a day when things were going to be set in order so that we could take our rightful place on this earth and not have to deal with him like that anymore. Amen. And when the fullness of time came, Jesus was born. God manifests in the flesh. He started his earthly ministry at 30 years old. And as soon as he was baptized by his cousin John, the Baptist, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the devil was observing. I'm sure he was observing Jesus all those 30 years, saying, Whoa, this guy is something special. This guy is something different. You know, I'm going to have to see what's going on. I'm going to use my temptation skills on him. Oh, yeah, I was really good with Eve and Adam, and let's see what I can do with him. Amen. And he used uh, the typical tactics to tempt him, but this time it didn't work. He tempted him to turn, you know, and Jesus was fasting 40 days and nights, and he tempted him to turn those stones into bread. And amen. Remember, that's the lust of the flesh, using the same playbook. Amen. And the response is, it is written. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. Then he's the second temptation. He goes, okay, I'm going to have to ramp this up. He goes, why don't, you, why don't you go up to the very pinnacle, the very peak and the top of the pinnacle of the temple and throw yourself off? Because I, and he quoted, and the devil's good. He's good at what he does because he quoted scripture. And he said, hey, if you, if you cast yourself down, the angels will catch you before you hit the ground. Why don't you show me how that scripture works in real life? And he said, it is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Amen. Amen. Just because God says that he's going to do something, you don't test it out on purpose. Well, you shall, Mark 16 said, you know, they that believe, they shall drink any deadly thing and it shall not hurt them. Does that mean I'm going to go get a bottle of Drano and say, let me see how this works, God? Okay. See you at an emergency. I'll pray for you when your throat's like just oh, disintegrating. We don't tempt the Lord our God. It's there for us on accident. If it's an accident, praise God. Amen. So now the devil said, okay, I'm coming in for the kill. My third temptation and my strongest one. And he took him up onto a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them, probably all the riches and everything. And he said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. Now, let me tell you something. Now, I know the devil's a liar, but you know what? The, the uh, temptation is not a temptation if there's not some truth to it as well. Amen. 
And you say, well, how's that? Well, he's the God of this world. And he's involved in a lot of stuff in this world. Amen. And so that offer was, in a way, valid to a point. Amen. And so Jesus just looked at him and said, again, it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I love the way Jesus handled things because Jesus didn't only come. His purpose wasn't just to come and die for us. That was the main one. He, was also, he also came to destroy the works of the devil. That was another one. And he also came to be an example for us to, to show us how to be baptized. Amen. He was baptized, didn't even need to. Amen. And he got it. He showed us because it was so important. Amen. He showed us how to have compassion, how to love. Amen. And how to be an example. And he showed us how to fight the devil's temptation. You do it with the Bible. It is written. It is written. That's why we got to know the Bible, folks. We got to know it for ourselves. Because he is the father of lies. And so we need to know that, that he is the deceiver of all. And we, the Bible said we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. So from that day forward, Jesus, in that short three and a half year ministry, wreaked havoc in the kingdom of darkness. He was casting demons out of people left and right that, the, that the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the elders, they couldn't even come close to doing that. Amen. They were all comfortable around the religious people back in those days. But when Jesus came walking on the scene, amen, all these demons started getting a little uncomfortable and reaching for their nervous pills because here was God manifesting the flesh, taking the biggest temptations from the devil and just brushing them off like nothing amen and he he just came he said you get out and you get out and you get out because our rightful place on this earth is not to have an evil spirit living inside of our heart that's not a rightful place and so jesus said you're out of here hey you're out of here i'm setting things right i'm going to start changing things around they were no match for him. He commanded them, and they had no choice but to obey. Amen. And then he would tell them, and you come out. He, said, he would tell them, shut up and come out, because they would make a big old deal. Ah! You know, whatever. shut up and come out. You know, you know, and they got their little demon suitcase and got out of there. Amen. And they even had to ask him permission for stuff. You remember when that gathering maniac who had the legion of devils in him? It was this out-of-control guy, and then and he came to and, and bowed before Jesus, you know. And then Jesus said, what's your name? And he said, my, my name's Legion, for we are many, man. We got uh, thousands of them in here. You don't have no chance. And Jesus said, out. Uh, uh, okay. Um, can we go over into the pigs over there? There's a herd of swine over there. And, you know, we've been so comfortable and nice and warm in here. And, we don't want to be out here in the cold air. Can we go in these pigs? And they asked permission to go in the pigs. And the pigs had enough sense, hey, we don't want this. And they just, they went down the cliff. Those pigs had more sense than some people. Amen. I don't want, this is not right. Ah, get out of here. And some people are like, just comfortable with it. But I'm talking about taking our rightful place. 
Amen. I'm talking about shining bright the light so the darkness gets a little nervous. Amen. And, and they're not going to be staring and taking over and trying to do things. Amen. And then, uh, then Jesus, he handpicked 12 disciples who would become the apostles and become the founders of the church. Amen. And he gave them power and authority over the devil and his kingdom. And I'm giving you some more dominion back. And I'm giving you some the ability to subdue back. Amen. And he sent him out. He said, go preach the gospel. Go do this and go do that. And they came back to give him a report. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned again. It was the apostles and plus several other people. The 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And then verse 19 he went on to say, Behold, I give unto you power. I'm giving you power. Amen. You're going to be my church. Praise God. We're going to get some of that. What was supposed to be given back in the old days that was given up of Adam and Eve. I'm going to give it back to the church. Praise God. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Because when you take your rightful place... You don't have to back down to the enemy. They need to be backing down to us. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to establish a church on this earth. He was going to grant that church dominion and power and authority over spiritual wickedness and darkness and evil. And for the, for the, for the most important reason, so that, people, so that we that know our rightful place can pull our hand down and pull people out of the pits of hell. And pull people out of the miry clay and, and get them to church. And let's show them the gospel so they can be saved. Amen. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. When I first heard that verse, I was thinking, you know, uh, you know the gates of hell were going to come against the church. And, then the, and the church was going to, you know, they weren't going to prevail against the church. Then I started thinking, I go, wait a minute. Gates, they, they don't go after anything. Gates are on hinges. The gates are on a, on a hinge, on a wall, on a post. That means this devil who tricked Adam and Eve out of dominion and set up a, you know, whatever authority he had over these thousands of years since that time. Amen. He built his kingdom. He's got his big old gates and he's hiding a bunch of people. Some of our loved ones. Some of our friends. Some people we know behind those gates. And God, Jesus said, I'm going to build a church on this earth. And when my church comes knocking on those gates, they will not prevail against my church. I'm going to give them the name of Jesus and the blood and the Holy Ghost and the Word. And they're going to batter ram that gate and it's going to bust wide open and they're going to bring this soul and get that soul saved and get that one delivered. Woo! Praise God! I'm, we're talking about taking our rightful place on this earth. When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, and he hung his head and breathed his last breath, amen, he rose from the dead three days later and crushed the head of the serpent once and for all. Amen. I'm not saying the devil doesn't have any more power. I'm not saying we know he does, but not against the church. 
not against those who know their rightful place on this earth. Oh yeah, he can form weapons against you like we talked about last week. He can, he can do things. He's a, he, he, he roars like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Amen. But the Bible said resist him steadfast in the faith and he'll go away. He'll come back but he'll go away. Praise God. Revelation 1.18 At some point when Jesus died and rose again there was a period of time in there where Jesus went down to the very gates of hell into the, the king, the, the throne room of the kingdom of de the devil. And Revelation 1.18 said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. When he rose again, see, the devil said, well, I finally got rid of this guy. Man, he's throwing us out left and right, and he's causing trouble. He's making people, you know, be nice to people. He's doing this and doing that, and he was changing everything. And we finally got him. He's in the grave. Three days later, death couldn't hold him. So when he went and said, hey, with that nail-scarred hand, resurrected hand, give me the keys to death and hell in the grave. Amen. And I'm giving those keys to the church and I'm going to tell them anytime they want, they can bust through your walls and bust through your gates and come calling in the name of Jesus. And you've got to let them come. You can't stop them because they have the full force and authority and approval and backing of heaven. Oh, thank God. And now the Bible said, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Uh, oh, yeah, a third of the angels. We don't know how many angels there are. There could be billions of angels. I have no idea the number. Amen. There's, there, there's an innumerable company of angels, the Bible said. Innumerable. You can't count them. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. If you have multiply all that out, it's millions and billions. Who knows? Praise God. But I know this. There was one archangel and one third of the angels that messed up. But we still got Jesus Christ, the creator, and two-thirds of the angels and two archangels. We got Michael and we got Gabriel and two-thirds and Jesus. Amen. What are we afraid of? I got to take my rightful place on the earth. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. If God be for us, who can be against us? 1 John 4, 4, are ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's the God of this world. That's anybody in this world. Greater is us, is he that's in us, Jesus Christ, than he that's in the world. So our rightful place on this earth, on this, on this earth is not to be in oppression. Our rightful place on this earth is not to be in depression. Our rightful place on this, this earth is not to live in fear. And our rightful place on this earth is not to hang our head in shame and defeat. Because we got power in Jesus. We got authority in His Word. When we are born again, we are, we are a child of the King. And we're part of his glorious church. 
that He's given us authority and power over the kingdom of darkness through His name, His Word, His blood, His Spirit, amen, and through prayer and fasting and through praise and worship. He's given us power. So now, hopefully, that we've established the fact, amen, that we in the church, if we're part of God's kingdom and God's power, amen, we don't have to take the tuck head with the devil and with the enemy and all that he's trying to do to deceive this world and take them down the Antichrist way and the darkness way. Now that we've established that God's given the church authority and power over the enemy to take back that dominion that mankind lost in the Garden of Eden, we need to realize that our only limitation is us. My only limitation is me. If I don't believe it, it ain't going to happen. If I don't go for it, it ain't going to happen in my own life. Amen. But nothing shall be impossible to him or her that believes. Amen. So nobody or nothing can pull us out of God's hands if we don't want to be. Nobody or nothing can separate us from God's love if we don't want to be. Nobody or nothing can keep us from being all that God wants us to be if we don't want, amen, to be separated and to be kept from God's will. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Let's stand. I'm coming to a close. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good kingdom, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. It's, it's our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Fear not. Fear not. Psalms 84, 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's us. Notice the little, the little you know, caveat at the end there. There's a little uh, you know, prerequisite and a requirement at the end. To them that walk uprightly. That's not talking about good posture, which I say we should have good posture. But that's talking about walking in God's commandments uprightly, you know, with your heart on God's righteousness and his word. Amen. He will not withhold any good thing to those people. First John 3, 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. The devil is a condemner. He condemns. Amen. He lies. He cheats. He makes you feel so bad that, you know, you can barely do a pull-up and get over the curb and look at the grass. Amen. And that's what he tries to do. But if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. If you walk uprightly, no good thing will be withheld from you. Amen. And if you keep his commandments and try to do those things which are pleasing in his sight, amen, you'll have whatever you ask from him. See, it's always been and always will be about keeping His commandments and doing what is right and pleasing in His eyes. He created us for His purpose, for His pleasure. Amen. This earth was created 
for, to, for us to inhabit, but it's all, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's his heaven. It's his word. And so we got to go by his program. We got to play by the rules uh, of, of, this, of, of what he has set down and his commandments. And then we're going to get through this life and we're going to spend eternity with him forever someday. Amen. When we live our lives the way he'd like us to live our lives, then the old saying goes, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. And I'll close with this verse. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he can do exceeding abundantly above all that not only we ask, but even that we think. We can take our rightful place, folks, if we'll just live for God like he wants. We see in the Old Testament, every time the nation and the leaders, the kings and whoever it was, every time they did what was right in the Lord's eyes, every time they led the people right, they had peace from their enemies, they had prosperity, they had, uh, uh, you know, uh, healing from their sickness. I'm telling you, God isn't requiring all this stuff. He just said, hey, just w walk with me and keep my word. I'll keep the devil off your back. Amen. I'll keep sickness out of your house. I'll keep this and I'll keep blessings coming your way. It doesn't mean where everything's going to be perfect. But let me tell you something. It's going to be a as perfect as it can get before we go to heaven there's no greater life than this life there's no greater life than serving God and be a part of his church and going home someday it's according to the power that works in us do you have his power working in you? Do you have the Holy Ghost in your life? Amen. Are you allowing it to guide you and lead you and even convict you if need be so you can course, uh, correct your course and go a different direction? Oh, Lord, help us. Amen. According to the power that worketh in us, we will have what we think and what we say above and beyond because we're going to take our rightful place on this earth. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.